Hello everyone and welcome to today's webinar. It's just gone one o'clock so I'm just going to give everyone a chance to join. Um, do feel free to drop into the Q&A box and say hi. Uh, we've disabled the chat feature as we've discovered it can cause problems for some people using screen readers. So I can see the numbers going up. I'm glad you could make it today. Uh, just let a few more of you join. So I can see most of you have joined now. So we're going to make a start. So uh, hi everyone, and welcome to the seventh session now in our Accessibility Insights series, um, where AbilityNet's Head of Digital Inclusion, Robin Christofferson, uh, hosts a monthly online chat with individuals who are each working to improve digital accessibility and digital inclusion. Um, this month, he's chatting to Alejandro Maledo, who is policy coordinator at the European Disability Forum, uh, also known as EDF. Um, I'm Annie Mannion, and I'm digital communications manager at AbilityNet, and I'll be running you through today's session. So just to go through a few bits of housekeeping, um, we have live captions provided today by MyClearText, um, and you can turn on the captions using the CC option on the control panel. Um, we do have additional captions available via streamtext.net and slides are available at slideshare.net forward slash abilitynet and also on our website at forward slash insights edf. And if you have any technical issues and you need to leave early, um, don't worry, you'll receive an email in a couple of days time with the recording, the transcript and the slides. And depending on how you joined the webinar, um, you'll find a Q&A window. Um, so if you'd like to ask uh, Alejandro or Robin any questions, please do drop those in the Q&A area for them to address. Um, and they will do that after today's session on our website, um, again at forward slash insights edf. Uh, then we also have a feedback page you'll be directed to at the end, which invites you to tell us about any future topics you'd like us to cover. Um, so please do let us know. So now over to Robin and Alejandro. Fantastic. <clears throat> thank you so much, Annie. And thank you, Alejandro, for joining us this month. Brilliant to have you. Thank you very much. Very glad to be here. So we always kick off with the same question. Uh, what drink have you got to help you get through the ordeal? I've got a nice cup of tea. I got a nice cup of coffee. <laughs> Fantastic. Got that out of the way. So <clears throat> similarly, a lot of the questions that we ask uh, colleagues that come on are very similar as well. And that's because everybody has brilliant observations and it's really good to get people's different takes on, you know, where we are and where we're going. That's basically what um, the questions are about in these uh, insight seminars. So what do you think have been the biggest changes in the last 10 years in the landscape of accessibility and digital inclusion? Well, that's a, that's a very good question. I mean, if we, if we look at um, technology and how it has evolved uh, for the past 10 years, uh, we see that um, more and more increasingly we see tech, tech convergence. So before technologies were uh, developing in kind of an isolation, so the web, the media, the um, telecommunications, but now we see, uh, and we are used to it, uh, having all um, 
all services in in our smartphone for example we see we see this te tech convergence is actually helping accessibility um, uh, as well and also the fact that now accessibility uh, is considered as a core aspect of uh, ICT development that makes it even um, more convenient for persons with disabilities now we don't see that distinction anymore uh, for some of the previous or legacy assistive technologies in the past. We've seen that now accessibility features are built in in the devices. And that's, that doesn't mean that we will, we will, persons with disabilities, we will stop using assistive technologies, but it means that we have greater opportunities to, to take advantage of, of technologies and all the opportunities that they, this will bring us. Absolutely. So, and that, do you see assistive technology being... Tell uh, me, tell me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you finish off what you're going to say first. No, no, no. I was going to say, but I guess we will discuss uh, more in, uh, later uh, about the developments on, on legislation. I think they, they also made a, a big difference. Absolutely. And I do want to talk about that. It's one of my <laughs> favourite areas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so do you think that there'll always be a need for, um, you know, specialist technology um you know we're obviously seeing huge strides in what's built in as you were saying into ios into mainstream hardware you know the different sensors that are you know increasingly um being incorporated into smartphones say that can then be leveraged by the either the built-in accessibility features or by you know third party or even first party apps mm. um but do you see the AT market being a you know flourishing in ten years' time? Say, I I'll see the the AT market changing and taking advantage also of new possibilities uh, with uh, emerging technologies or already emerged technologies such as artificial intelligence, for example. I mean, there is a huge potential there for the AT market as well. So, what I know is that we uh, we will keep using. Um, assistive technologies, even though, you know, the, this distinction that I mentioned before now is, is, is less and less clear, but there will be uh, cases and, and, and people that will still need uh, technologies which are specifically designed for them. So I, I think what need, we need to stress is that these technologies, so assistive technologies and what we call mainstream technologies, they need to work hand in hand. So we should ensure in those legislation that we will talk about, we need to ensure interoperability as well as a, as a great aspect to, to bear in mind. Absolutely and the legislation I think is key. So next month we're going to be talking to Apple and I really do see them as a good example of where they have gone above and beyond. You know they really haven't um, done a, a half-hearted attempt at accessibility. They've really kind of pushed the inclusion envelope mm. on a you know an off-the-shelf product, really made it very flexible. And mm -hmm. many would say that's because of, you know, Section 508 in the States, they had very large volume um, budgets available for, you know, under the federal government, particularly in education, for bulk purchases of, you know, devices, but they had to be accessible, had to be inclusive because of the legislation. And maybe that's why Apple um, really kind of prioritized accessibility or maybe it's just because they always knew it was the right thing to do but i'm sure legislation helped and you've been very active in this space in the eu so you can tell us what your take on you know how important having legislation in the in the mix is too 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think uh, legislation obviously is not the solution for absolutely everything, but I believe that is key. And um, if you allow me to just take a step back or maybe a couple of ste steps back, um, I would also stress the, the importance, which sometimes in these uh, conversations about accessibility, we don't realize of the, of the crucial role that the disability movement played you know in calling for the rights to to make sure that this uh, para para paradigm shift towards a human rights based approach to towards disability was actually uh, realized in the UN convention on the rights of persons with disabilities and um, and this this um, this convention is is actually the first international human rights treaty that recognizes access explicitly access to information and communication technology as one of the rights that should be protected and ensured for persons with disabilities because we realized as a movement that that with technology uh, technology can can open up a wide range of opportunities for us in, in our increasingly digitalized um, uh, society. So with the UNCRPD, uh, for many countries, and particularly in the, um, in the EU, uh, I'm saying particularly in the EU because the, the, the US has not yet ratified the, the UNCRPD, but in that Europe... <laughs> that may change, who knows? But um, in Europe now, it's, it's actually ratified by the European Union as a whole and then by all member states. So we have universal ratification of um, this important human rights treaty, which in the end, okay, is um, is uh, is just a tool, it's a driver for innovation in, in, in how the legislation uh, treats persons with disabilities. And thanks to the convention, we've seen a great progress, uh, particularly in the area of accessibility in the EU. We have the Web Accessibility Directive, making public sector websites and mobile apps application. We have the flagship initiative of the European Accessibility Act, which is a directive as well, a European directive that has a very strong uh, ICT component and it's kind of very much aligned with the um, with what you mentioned with the section 508. Um, we have for the first time the um, uh, a European standard on accessibility requirements for ICT products and services, which is even I I, I dare to say even more uh, comprehensive and more ambitious than the section the current section 508. The thing is that in the US they've been um, legislating accessibility uh, longer than us and that's why um, they the US has been always leading on 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 accessibility policies but I believe that with the accessibility act if you want we can talk a little bit more about it but with the accessibility act the EU and, and Europe as such because uh, no matter brexit no matter you know countries associated with the EU I think Europe as um, as a continent has finally made this turning point towards having accessibility as really as a, as a core aspect of technologies, current absolutely. and future. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to see the kind of impact that it's going to have. So I was going to ask you what you think, you know, over the last 10 years has brought about this massive change. And it sounds like, you know, if you wind the cause, you know, the links in the chain back to the root cause, it's disabled mm. people yeah. and them, you know, getting their voices heard getting the right legislation, you know, having their rights realized and recognized, or at least recognized. Um, and, you know, you, you wind that forward and you've got something like the European Accessibility Act, which has got so much potential. Uh, tell us a bit more about it. Well, um, the act is um, actually has a very 
the, the European Commission was very smart in the approach that they took for this legislation because instead of uh, proposing a legislation best, based on anti-discrimination, which would require unanimity by member states. And on a side note, I, I can say that since 2008, we are waiting for an anti-discrimination legislation in the EU, which we don't have because it's been blocked by member states. But the Commission instead, they, they said, okay, we are going to propose a market access uh, legislation, meaning that only those projects, uh, sorry, those products and services uh, respecting the accessibility requirements that they lay down in the in the legislation will be able to be sold and move freely in the EU, imported, distributed, and so forth. So they actually took this market approach, and they, which I believe is the key aspect of the Accessibility Act, they detailed down the access the specific accessibility requirements, well, functional accessibility requirements, so they don't tell you exactly, for ex example, what format you need to use in your service, but they tell you that uh, whatever format it is, if it is digital information, it should comply with the usual uh, accessibility guidelines that we all know, no? Um, but the, the, the scope, um, is, is uh, as I said before, is very, very strong on, on new technologies. It covers computers, um, uh, smartphones and tablets. It covers um, telephony services. It covers emergency services. I mean, for the first time, finally, we are going to have the possibility, and I mean persons with disabilities, to call the emergency numbers in an accessible manner. I mean, there are still countries in Europe that consider fax as an accessible way to contact an emergency number. That is not acceptable. There is also ebooks, which will be um, very, very important for inclusive education as well. So all ebooks being sold in the EU will need to be accessible, no doubt about it. E-readers as well. E Commerce. We always talk a lot about the Web Accessibility Directive because it affects the public sector and obviously the public sector's website and mobile apps must be accessible, but the Accessibility Act covers e-commerce and basically all the websites and mobile apps that we use in our everyday life, they try to sell you something, so they will, need, they, they will, they will be included, they are included in the Accessibility Act. Um, ATMs, banking machines, uh, payment terminals, the payment terminals that we used uh, in every, next corner shop to, to pay with your, our credit card will finally be accessible. Um, which is always uh, an issue for for uh, partially sighted and blind people like mm -hmm. like myself, like us. And um, and <laughs> the I number mean, of times I've given somebody in the you know the next person in the queue, here's my card, here's my pin. Can I have sixty pounds, please? <laughs> um, sorry, I didn't want to cut you off, but no, no, so no, that happened to me as well. <laughs> yeah, enforcement. How important is that for? government or local authorities or whoever the relevant mm. bodies should be to mm. proactively enforce this legislation because to me that's the missing link certainly here in the yeah. UK. Yeah no I think uh, enforcement is is crucial and unfortunately uh, when it comes to enforcement I think that the EU is the, the EU still a bit lagging behind compared to the US but I also think that the accessibility act will strengthen that because as as I explained the the this legislation, the Accessibility Act is a market access legislation. Therefore, mm. it will be the market surveillance authorities and in each uh, country, the ones that will verify that the products uh, will be in, 
compliant with the legislation. And if they are not, they have the possibility even to withdraw the product from the, from the internal market. So they can force a company to stop selling their product. Imagine TVs are included. Nowadays, the most accessible TVs are always the most expensive. So in um, five years time with the act, is um, finally implemented. If we see that there is a company that is trying to sell a, a TV set which is not accessible, then the market surveillance authority can say, hey, either you include the accessibility requirements or you cannot sell this product anymore. And uh, they have also the possibility to impose penalties. Um, users, organizations can also take um, economic operators to court in case they don't comply with the legislation. There are some possibilities that we will need to explore in the future. But most, the most important and the most urgent um, issue at the moment is how countries will transpose, meaning how they how they take this European legislation and translate it into national legislation. Mm -hmm. This is now the moment that we are, and it's important that countries do this right. Otherwise, we may lose some of the potential of this directive. Yeah, exciting well, times. And this, yeah, you know, to be clear, indeed. is very different legislation than what you know we've had in the past. It's much clearer, the lines of... Um, Kind of responsibility and the way uh -huh. it's defined as you've said being on the product or the service is 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 key i think uh -huh. you know it's going to be as as core to the product as yeah. you know health and safety is this exactly. you know um, smartphone and, going to catch fire is this chicken that i've bought from the supermarket safe to eat that kind exactly. of thing so, and you mentioned something very important which is um, for instance for, for those other aspects like safety uh, health uh, issues environmental aspects and so forth um, we do have harmonized European harmonized legislation, but we also have standards. And I believe this is one of the great added values of the Accessibility Act. It provides at least of accessibility requirements because the mm -hmm. problem that we always face, people with disabilities, like uh, accessible, yeah, but in practice, what that what does it mean? What does it mean accessible? Of course, accessibility is not a black white issue. It's a it's a huge uh, range of grays in between. So the legislation helps to put the line to draw the line, and with clear accessibility requirements that then will be supported as in the health or in the safety or in the environmental sectors with standards, then industry will, will also have a clear view on what they need to do to make sure that at least an adequate level of accessibility is ensured. That's very important. Yep. I wish we were still part of Europe. Anyway, um, <laughs> so my next question then to change gears or topic maybe a little bit is about COVID. It's still with us. Who'd have thought it when oh. we started back in the summer? Um, and it's looking like it's going to be here for a while, but it has, mm. it has really brought a lot of positives, I think, as well as huge negatives. Um, you know, either you personally or the organizations that you work for or with, what would you say, you know, have been the biggest takeaways, the biggest learning points from either COVID or home working that you think, you know, has made a significant change for, you know, people with disabilities across Europe? Well, I, I, I think we've learned, I mean, in the past, we, in the past, pre-COVID reality, <laughs> we, we also, um, we also uh, worked with, uh, with uh, all our members uh, across Europe and, and, and we developed webinars uh, to, to kind of 
um, you know, raise awareness of legislation. We have webinars explaining different legislation or initiatives and so forth. So we kind of did it um, before uh, the COVID um, outbreak, but it is true that now with all the meetings turning into webinars and, 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 and video conference calls, and we learned that we, we learned how to uh, system, uh, structure the organization of this before we were more, you know, organizing in a more chaotic way, but now we really got used to, you know, checking with your audience. I think that's one of the main learnings, like uh, in the re registration for making sure that all possible accessibility um, uh, services such as live subtitling, sign language interpretation, uh, presentation sent in advance, oral, or are available there. And then, of course, allowing uh, the audience to request any other reasonable accommodation that they may need. Absolutely. And we are teaching this to other organizations. And that I think that's very, very, very important when other organizations um, ask for our uh, advice on which platform to use. And obviously not, not, there is not a single, uh, a really uh, easy answer and there is not a perfect platform, but we have our tricks and we kind of try to build the capacity of other organizations as well. Mm -hmm. mm. Have you found it fine? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving this whole not having to travel half a day for a, an hour's meeting and you know, back at home again, I can fit six meetings in in a day, although that's got its downside as well. But are you well, managing I, I think, I think um, I, I miss it. I miss the the face-to-face -face meetings. Um, I mean, it's not the same, um, but obviously it allows for uh, more productivity. There is no way, but it also implies that um, what we know as, you know, the uh webinar fatigue or some fatigue and so forth so maybe sometimes we overdid it so we mm -hmm. overdid you know arranging video calls and webinars and stuff but um i think we we need to find this balance and we are finding it step by step because it's true that this uh this situation will continue in the near future mm -hmm. so we are trying to get the best out of it but also you know bearing in mind that people also need to to rest uh, from connecting and being with the camera on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So we are very flexible with that and trying to find this balance. I mean, I've come to some fantastic EDF meetings and other European, you know, fantastic events. Um, so I'm really pleased about that. But at the same time, you know, with Zoom and Teams, etc., Europe is a very small place. The world is a, you know, just a very small place when you can um, really harness that power mm -hmm. to get people's voices heard and you know coordinated and that sort of thing so yeah i mean it's great well, to reach out to, to more people because before you used to organize an event in brussels and mm -hmm. only the usual suspects could uh, attend yeah. but now uh, i remember when the covid19 uh, outbreak we organized a meeting with the commissioner for equality elena dali and the the members of the european parliament that follow um, disability issues and uh, we didn't expect, but suddenly it was one of the first uh, open webinars we organized. And suddenly we got over 500 people registered mm -hmm. for that uh, discussion because it was the first high level discussion about, you know, how what's the role of the EU in responding to the pandemic as for persons with disabilities are concerned. So mm -hmm. that was uh, really impressive. So it's true that you can reach out to more people and that's something that we need to keep on doing. And we certainly have been able to reach out and get many, you know, more numbers of people attending our webinars over the last year or so. So absolutely. 
So let's look ahead then over yeah. the coming months and years. Um, what, what's going to change or what needs to change going forward? Yeah, exactly. So that was a question. Ah, okay. I thought... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't sure, so I just uh, agree with you. <laughs> yeah, lots so of what, is, what is going to change or yeah. what can we expect from what would you like to change or what to needs come. to change or what do you think the future will hold with regards either inclusion legislation or tech the future is uncertain right <laughs> <laughs> um if uh, 2020 uh, has uh, showed us something it's that future is always an uncertain but i i would definitely um would like or wish um to um to see a more you know uh, inclusive and uh, uh, approach to, uh, on the one hand, um, the designing of products and services, because it's true that we see that technologies are really on the on a good track in improving accessibility, but there is way, way more work uh, to do when it comes to the built environment, to transport services, to everyday products that we use. Um, and then uh, more, going more particularly on on accessibility and and, and the political let's say uh, future, um, I we are expecting the the commission to 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 present the next disability strategy, which will be uh, hopefully uh, released uh, very soon. And one demand that we had when comes to accessibility has been the, the creation of a new agency, a European agency, similar to what they have in the US. We've talked about the progress in the US. And I think that's been also because of the great agency they have, the US Access Board. So we think that Europe could also set up um, a new agency for accessibility, the EU Access Board, that could support member states, industry, disability organization in coming together, defining the accessibility uh, policies and the standards and, and monitoring whether they are um, uh, used and, and, and to support uh, uh, harmonized, as they call it, a harmonized implementation of accessibility. So, because it's, it's, it's very, it's very sometimes uh, very frustrating to see that countries suddenly or companies suddenly they try to reinvent the wheel again and come up with you know solutions, different solutions to make your website accessible. Just add this uh, plugin to your website and click here, and it will be magically made accessible. Well, that's not true. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I would like. A, a focal point center for accessibility with really high uh, trained professionals and the expertise to to implement accessibility policies that that, that would be my my wish for the accessibility and of course all related to the um, the discussions the policy discussions around artificial intelligence or digital services digital platforms i i also think that we need to to be there to ensure that persons with disabilities on the one hand are not discriminated against and then accessibility is considered as in other areas a fundamental part of the technology Fantastic. And rather spookily, you have answered the question that Marlin put to you. I know you know Marlin from ah, uh, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the Norwegian Dis Digitalization Agency. Indeed. And yeah, she said that. <laughs> what would you see as being the kind of next step in EU legislation? Now we've got the directive in place and the Accessibility Act on the way. So exactly. Um, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> so we've got a minute left, perhaps. Is there anything else you wanted to? Well, actually, let's ask. Uh, your question for the next guest then 
Yeah. Um, so Sarah Herlinger of Apple, um, you know, main accessibility lady there um, is, you know, very, uh, we're very happy to have her on next mm-hmm. month. So have you got a question? That we I do, I do, I do. So my question would be, what is the most positive aspect that accessibility legislation has brought to Apple's work? We discussed this before, so I think it's, yeah. a, it's a good follow-up question. So we hear from, from them and what they need to say. Brilliant. It's all very joined up today because, yeah, we, we touched upon that earlier, whether we thought that was their main driver or what, yeah. or whether they're just good guys. So, yeah, yeah, we will put that to Sarah. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I just wanted to 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 say, uh, as you mentioned, the the uh, UK not being part of the of the EU anymore. I think it's it's really a, a pity uh, to lose UK because UK has been also leading uh, when it comes to accessibility. For example, it's been also our role model when it comes to media accessibility. For example, and uh, it's truly a pity to to miss such a such a um, such a great member state in, 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 this, in this sense, in this domain. And, and in any case, I do believe that uh, even though we talked about European legislation today, I think this legislation will still have, a, will in any case have an impact in the in UK's legislation and accessibility legislation. So I'm, I'm grateful to see uh, AbilityNet and other organizations in, in the UK being so active and vocal on, on, on accessibility. And I believe what we need to make, to make sure is to keep the communication flowing and make sure that the UK is aligned with, uh, with the EU when it comes to having a, an ambitious legal framework for accessibility. So in that case, you know, you can count on us to keep on this, uh, this communication and this exchange of uh, best practices. Fantastic. Really appreciate you coming on. Brilliant discussion. Thank you so much. Thank you for and having me. Yeah, thank you so much. In the last few seconds then, I'll pass back to Annie to gallop through a bit of housekeeping to finish off. But Alejandro, thank you so much. Thank you. So, yeah, thanks so much, um, Alejandro and Robin. Um, just wanted to uh, share some more information about AbilityNet. Um, we also run fantastic online training courses um, on digital accessibility. Uh, you can find out more about that at um, abilitynet.org.uk forward slash training. And you can use um, this 10% discount code available to registrants of our webinars at AbilityNet Webinar 1010. Um, we have training courses coming up this quarter for roles including content creators and editors, designers, developers, testers, project managers, leadership. And we also have um, some new courses focused specifically on higher and further education professionals. And then um, you can also sign up to our newsletter for the latest announcements about digital accessibility, um, visit our YouTube channel and download our podcast. And we also have a suite of accessibility services that you might be interested in too. And then finally, um, don't forget about our next webinars at forward slash webinars. Um, coming soon, we have Accessibility Insights um, with Apple, and that's on the 16th of February. And before that, uh, Tablets for Seniors, Keeping in Touch with Loved Ones, and that's on the 26th of January. So once again, thank you, Alejandro, Robin, and everyone that's joined us today, and um, we'll be in touch with you soon. Bye, everyone.